0: Hey there, this is Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast Walking with Dante, a podcast that, as you well know, slow walks through Dante's masterwork comedy. We have completed our walk, and now we are finishing it off by a straightforward reading of Inferno. This is my English language translation. You can find it on my website, markscarborough.com or walkingwithdante.com. They go to the same place, but I wish you wouldn't. And we should just sit back and listen to a reading of the passages. This is going to be a reading of Cantos 11 through 13, continuing on in our straightforward walk. And let me say one thing before we get started with this. I always hmm, begin by reading a bit of the medieval Florentine and then come out by reading the medieval Florentine. And I really hope that you will forgive my horrible pronunciation. I'm doing it so that you will remember that this is a poem not in English, that it is a poem in another language. I just want to remind you of that as our translation comes out of that ...terribly pronounced medieval Italian, medieval Florentine, that you remember that, listen, this isn't exactly the text. There is a text that exists back there that is much more accurate even than this translation. But that said... A general reading of Inferno is a great way to finish off our slow walk. Virgil and Dante have come through the heretics. They're inside the city of Dis, inside the walls, past Farinata, and they've started down, but not quite. We're at Canto 11, and we're going to go all the way to the back of Canto 13 in this episode of Walking with Dante. Lestremita dun alta ripa, che facce van gran pietre rote in cerchio, venimo sopra più cudele stipa, e qui per l'orribile soperchio del puzzo che l'opfundo. As we got to the edge of a high embankment that had been made by a circle of broken rocks, We looked down on an even crueler mob scene. Here, because of the horrible stench of putrefaction that was belched up from the deep abyss, we pulled back a bit and took cover under the lid of a monumental tomb on which I saw some writing that said, I hold on to Pope Anastasius, the one who Fontanus seduced from the straightway, our descent has to be postponed a bit so that our senses get used to the foul smell, only then can we forget about it for a bit. So spoke my master, and I said to him, "Find a compensation so the time won't be lost and he said to me, "You see, I am already thinking about it, my son, down inside these rocks, he began. Are three smaller circles, a concentric gradient like the ones you've just left. All are stuffed with wretched spirits, but so that the mere sight of them will be enough for you, listen to how and why these are constrained. Injustice is the finish line of every evil that picks up the hatred of heaven, and the end of it all, whether by force or by fraud, is to hurt someone else. But because fraud is an evil that is especially human, it displeases God even more. That's why the fraudulent are situated lower down and more pain assails them. The first circle is all about the violent, but Because force may be directed at three persons, the circle is actually constructed and divided into three smaller rings. Against God, against oneself, and against one's neighbor, you can commit acts of violence. That is, against them and their possessions, as you will hear through clear reasoning. Death by force and ghastly wounds may be thrust upon one's neighbor. What's more... Their effects may be subject to pillaging, arson, and even extortion. Therefore, when it comes to murderers and those who inflict willful harm, as well as plunderers and predators, the first of the smaller rings torments all these in separate sections. People can lay violent hands on themselves and their own effects. And so the second smaller ring holds those who repent without any results. That is, the ones who deprive themselves of your world, the ones who gamble away and squander their nest eggs, the ones who weep where they should be happy. A person can also use force against the deity when we deny or commit outright blasphemy in the heart, and also by disrespecting nature and its beneficence. So the smallest ring seals with its signet ring both Sodom and Cahor as well as those who get violent against God in their hearts or tongues. People can use fraud by which every conscience is chewed up against someone who trusts them and against the ones who invested no trust in them. The method of the latter cuts only the bond of love that nature makes. Thus, In the second circle is nested hypocrites, flatterers, and magicians, counterfeiters, thieves, and simoniacs, panderers, baraters, and similar garbage. The former method of fraud wipes out the bonds made by nature as well as that which is added to it, namely that which is created by a special sort of trust. Therefore, in the smallest circle, At the point of the universe at which dis is enthroned, whoever is a traitor is eternally consumed. And I said, Master, your reasoning leads to a lot of clarity and characterizes well this whole and the people held in it. But tell me the souls in the oily swamp, and those lashed about by the wind, and those battered by the rain, and those who bash into each other with such hard words, why are they not punished in this smoldering city if God's wrath is indeed on them? And if not, why are they put under such afflictions? And Virgil said to me, Why does your genius wander off like this? Where does your mind get off to? Don't you remember the words with which your ethics fully explicates the three dispositions that heaven rejects? Incontinence malice, and insane bestiality, and how incontinence offends God less and so comes in for less blame. If you reason well through this line of thought and bring back to your mind those who are punished up there outside of these fortifications, you'll surely see why those are put aside from these other sinners, and why the divine vendetta strikes them less cruelly than those down here. O son, I said, who brings health to every troubled vision, you make me very content when you solve these things, so that my doubts are no less pleasurable than what I know, but back up a bit. I went on, to where you talked about how usury offends divine beneficence and pick apart that knot. Philosophy, Virgil said to me, when properly understood, notes at, not just in one spot, how nature takes her course from the divine intellect and its art. And if you really study your physics, you will find, after not too many pages, that your own art— As much as it can, follows along as the pupil follows the master. Your art is then sort of like God's grandchild. From these two, if you call to mind the opening verses of Genesis, we find the ways to enhance life and advance humanity. And because the usurer goes another way, he disrespects both nature and her disciple art, setting his hope in something else and now follow me, for I wish to be on our way. Pisces glitters at the horizon, and the Big Dipper lies in the direction of the northwest wind. Our descent is still farther on. The spot where we started to descend into the gorge was almost alpine, and given what else was there was enough to make any eye shun the sight of it. Like that rock slide that shook the shores of the Adige on this side of Trento. Whether because of an earthquake or slippage in the terrain, the one that moved massive rocks from the mountaintop scattering them about so that they outlined a pathway down for someone up above, that's what the way down that ravine was like. What's more, on the edge of the craggy chasm, the infamy of Crete was sprawled out, the one who was conceived in an artificial cow. And when he saw us, he chewed himself as if he'd been shattered inside by rage. My sage cried out to him, ''Maybe you believe this guy's the Duke of Athens who handed you your death up in the world. Get out of the way, beast. This guy didn't get here because he was schooled by your sister.'' But he does come to see your pain. As a bull, jerking loose at the moment, it receives a fatal blow that cannot run but bucks back and forth. So I saw the minotaur do the same, and my cautious guide cried out, Run for the exit! It'd be great if you could get down while he's enraged. This is how we found our way down the rubble of all those stones that moved this way and that under the unaccustomed weight of my feet. I went along in thought, and Virgil said, perhaps you're thinking about this rock slide, which is guarded by that bestial rage that I quenched just now. Okay, so I want you to know that the other time I descended this far into hell, these rocks had not yet cascaded down, but for sure... If I've got this figured out right, just before that one came down and lifted out of dis the great booty of the highest circle of limbo, the whole lot of this filthy deep valley trembled so much that I thought the universe felt the love by which some believe the world has often morphed into chaos. It was right then when these old rocks here and around us fell into pieces, but set your eyes on what's below, for we're approaching the river of blood, in which are boiled the ones who through violence have hurt others. Oh, blind cupidity and foolish rage that so goad us in this short life, and then simmer us cruelly for eternity. I saw a wide ditch curved into an arc that seemed to encircle the whole plain, just as my guide had stated. Between the foot of the cliff and this ditch, centaurs ran along in single file armed with arrows, just as when they went out for a hunt in our world. When they saw us coming down, they all stopped, and three set out from the company with bows and arrows chosen with great care. One cried out from a ways off, For what torment are you headed, you who descend this slope? Tell me right who you are. If not, I'll draw my bow. My master said, We will make a reply to Chiron when we get closer. To your discredit, you will always be too hasty. Then he elbowed me and said... That's Nessus, who died because of the beautiful Dianyra, and so made of himself his own vendetta. That one in the middle, who's looking at his own chest, is the great Chiron, who nurtured Achilles. The other is Pholus, who is so full of rage. Around this ditch they go, thousands upon thousands of them, shooting any spirit who pulls itself up out of the blood more than its guilt permits. As we got closer to these fast beasts, Chiron took hold of an arrow and, with its notch, pulled his beard back at his jawline. When he had uncovered his jumbo mouth, he said to his fellow soldiers, "'Have you paid attention to the fact that the one who comes behind moves whatever it is he touches? "'That's not what usually happens with the feet of the dead.' And my good leader, who was by this point right at Chiron's chest where the two natures are married, replied, You bet he's alive and thus on his own. So I must show him this dim valley. Necessity pressures us, not pleasure. Somebody who stepped away from singing Alleluia commissioned me with this newfangled duty. He's not a robber nor am I the spirit of a thief. But by that power through which I am directed in my steps down this savage road, give us one of your guys to whom we're a charge, and who can show us the place for crossing and transport us over on his back, since this one is no spirit who walks through the air. Chiron turned to the right side of his chest and said to Nessus, Return and guide them, and if you encounter another regiment, make them yield to you. At that point, we moved on with our trusty escort along the edge of the simmering vermilion where the ones who were boiled gave out ringing shrieks. I saw people dunked to their eyebrows, and the Grand Centaur said, They're the tyrants who bathed their heads in blood and plundering. Here they lament their slash-and-burn crimes. Here's Alexander the Great and fierce Dionysus, the elder of Syracuse, who made Sicily endure years of woe. And that forehead that has really black hair, that's Ezzelino III da Romano. And that other one, the blonde, is Obizzo da Este, who, truth be told, was slain up in the world by his own bastard. At this I turned to the poet, and Virgil said, Let him be your primary guide now. I'll be your second. A little ways ahead, the centaur paused above some people who looked as if they were rising from the boiling stream up to their throats. He showed us a shade by itself on one side, saying, In the center of God's church, that one split the heart that still drips blood above the Thames. Then I saw some people who had not only their heads, but their chests out of the stream— And I recognized a lot of these. And more and more, the level of the blood sank lower until it just braised the soles of their feet. And this was where we could cross the ditch. Just as you see that the boiling stream grows shallower right here, the centaur said, I could have you believe me that the stream bed gets deeper and deeper on the other side until it gets deep enough so that tyranny groans forever. Over there, divine justice stings to tell all the Hun." who was a scourge of the earth, and Pyrrhus and Sextus too. It eternally milks the tears, loosened by the boiling of Renier da Corneto and Renier Pazzo, who have declared war on the roadways. Then he turned back and crossed at the ford once again. Nessus hadn't even gotten to the other side when we stepped into a wood that wasn't blazed with a trail. No green leaves, but the ones the color of dusk. No smooth branches, but knotty and tangled ones. No clusters of fruit, but thorns with poison. No rougher, thicker scrub is the home of the wild beast that despised the farmland in the low spot between Cecina and Cornetto. Here the Hideous harpies make their nests, the creatures that chase the Trojans out of the Strophides with sad prophecies of their future woe. These harpies had wide wingspans, but the necks and faces of humans, feet with talons and feathers across their ample bellies, they made their lamentations up in the bizarre trees. And my good master said, Before you get any farther in, you should know that you're in the second ring, he started to say, and we'll be here until you get to the horrible sands, so have a good look around. You'll see stuff that you wouldn't trust even if I gave a formal oration on it. I heard wailing from every direction and didn't see anyone who could be making it. For this reason, I stopped, fully lost. I believe that he believed that I believed that all the voices from among the branches came from people who were hidden from us. So my messer said, If you break off a twig from one of these brushes, your current thoughts will be cut short. At that, I stretched out my hand a bit and broke off a branch from a large thorny brush. Then the stem cried out, Why do you break me? When it had been made dark with blood, it recommenced talking. Why do you rend me? Don't you have any compassion in your soul? We were men who have now become brambles. I'll bet your hand would have shown more pity if we'd been the souls of snakes. Like a "'green log burning on one end that drips sap out of the other "'and hisses as the air escapes, "'so from that broken branch oozed out words and blood all at once. "'And I let the twig drop and stood like a man held in terror. "'If he could have believed it first, a wounded soul,' my sage said, "'these type of things he's only seen in my verses.' He would never have lifted his hand against you, but your unbelievable fate made me put him to this test that weighs me down. But tell him who you were, so that, as a way to even the score, he might refresh your fame in the world up above, where he has leave to return. And the branch said, "'You speak so sweetly that you goad me on until it's not possible for me to stay silent.' May it not be grievous to you if I'm lured with the bait to speak a little more. I'm the one who held both of the keys to the heart of Frederick, and I used them so discreetly when I locked and unlocked it that I held his secrets back from almost everybody. I was so faithful to my glorious office that I lost a lot of sleep over it. And then my life the whore who never turned her slutty eyes from Caesar's house, the common cause of death and the vice of courts everywhere, she set fire to all the souls against me, and they on fire set fire to Augustus, so that my bright honors turned into woeful sadness." My spirit at the taste of such courtly disdain and believing that by dying I could get away from its spitefulness made me unjust against my own just self. By the roots of this newly planted tree, I swear to you both that I never broke faith with my Lord Frederick, who was so worthy of honor, and if one of you returns to the world— shore up my memory, which still languishes because of the gut punch that envy gave it. He hesitated, and then, while he has fallen silent, the poet Virgil said to me, don't lose any time, but speak up and ask him things if you'd like. At which I said to him, please ask him again about whatever you believe would bring me satisfaction. For I couldn't. So much Pity disheartens me. So Virgil began. If you want to make this man do what you've begged him to say fully, imprisoned spirit, may it please you to explain how the spirit is laying in these knotty brambles, and tell us, if you can, if anyone ever undoes his parts from these twisted limbs. At that the stem huffed and puffed, and then the wind was transformed into a voice You'll get an answer, if briefly. When the violent soul takes leave of its body from which it has torn itself out by the roots, Minos dictates its place in the seventh circle. It falls into the wood in no special spot, but wherever fortune tosses it down, and there it germinates like a spelt grain. It sends out a shoot. And then becomes a tangled mess. The harpies arriving to sample the leaves give its sorrow and a window for its sorrow. Like the others, we will eventually come by our spoils, but not like the others to clothe ourselves in them. For it is not just for a man to have what he has taken from himself. We will drag them here in this miserable wood. Our bodies will be hung, each one on the bush of its own devious shade. We kept our focus on the branch, believing it might wish to tell us more, when we were alarmed by an uproar similar to the sort that comes when someone at his post hears a boar and the hunter, the sound of the beast crashing through the underbrush. Lo and behold, two came from our left, bare naked and scratched up, fleeing with all their might so that they broke every branch through the thicket. The one in front said, Come! "'Come right now, death!' And the other one behind, who seemed slower, cried, "'Lano, you didn't move your legs this fast at the jousting tournament near Topo!' And perhaps because he was gasping for breath, he turned himself and a bush into one clump. The wood behind him was thick with black bitches, ravenous and running at full speed like greyhounds just let off their leashes.' Into the one who had squatted down, they sank their teeth and tore him limb from limb. Then they had carried away all those hideous body parts. My guide took me by the hand and led me to the bush that wept in vain from its bleeding stump. Oh, Jacopo, it said of Santo Andrea, what good did it do to make a screen of me? What culpability do I have in your guilty life? At which point my master Virgil st- "'stopped above the bush and said, "'Who were you that through so many wounds puff out your sorrows with the blood?' "'And he said to us, "O souls who got here just in time to see the dishonorable carnage "'that has pulled my leaves from me, "'collect them at the feet of this sad bush. "'I was from the city that changed its patron for the Baptist. "'On that account it will forever be grieved by his craft.' And if it were not that at the crossing of the Arno there remained some bits of the other one's presence, those citizens who rebuilt it from the ashes that Attila left behind would have done all that work in vain. I made my house into my own gibbet. Que cittadine que poi la la genera da Avrebbe fatto lavorare in darno, yo fegibeto a me de le mie case. Cantos eleven to thirteen of Inferno, a vast chunk down the screefield slope past those violent against others, past those violent against themselves, along with Virgil's explanation of all of lower hell. I hope you enjoyed this reading of Inferno. I hope you will subscribe to this podcast. Keep listening. If you don't mind, drop a comment. That would be terrific. Thank you for the thousands, literally thousands of you who are listening to this podcast through all the episodes. It is a wondrous thing that we are walking with Dante together. Come back next time and we will continue our journey amongst the violence in the subsequent cantos of Inferno. I'm Mark Scarborough. This is Walking with Dante and I will see you soon.